0: Hello and welcome to New People, New Ways, a podcast in partnership with Fresh Expressions Florida and Fresh Expressions United Methodist that explores new ways of being the church through the stories and insights of scholars and practitioners alike. I'm Piper Ramsey Sumner, a layperson and cultivator of Fresh Expressions for the Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church.
1: And I'm Michael Beck. I'm the director of Fresh Expressions Florida and Fresh Expressions U.M., and in this episode, we are joined by the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Bishop Graham Cray. Uh, he's retired bishop in the Church of England and was the Archbishop's missioner and team leader for Fresh Expressions from 2009 to 2014. Um, through his leadership, Fresh Expressions grew from an initiative within the Church of England and the British Methodist Church into a movement that is now found all over the world. He's the author of 20 books and publications, Uh, and he and his wife have two daughters, Catherine and Sarah. And Bishop Cray, we're so uh, blessed and grateful to have you on our podcast today. Thank you so much
2: for making the time for us. It's my, my pleasure. It's good to be with you.
1: Yeah. Well, so let's jump right in. Um, Tell us, who is Graham Cray?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've said most of it. I'm a minister of the Church of England. I've been ordained in the Church of England for something like 52 years now. Uh, I'm easily bored, so I've been an assistant pastor. I've been a youth and children's advisor. I've been for 17 years a vicar of a church in the center of York. I've been the principal of a training college, what we call a, a vicar factory in Cambridge. Uh, a bishop in an area, and that's when I ended up uh, chairing a report you're gonna ask me about in a moment or two. And then became, if you like, a bishop with a portfolio leading the Fresh Expressions uh, Fresh Expressions movement. So uh, I love Jesus, I love contemporary rock music, I love my family and uh, and uh, I'm not quite sure which order I'll put those in, but that's me. Mm-hmm. Awesome! Thank you.
0: Love that. Glad music is on the list. The Absolutely. last two, ah, music. Um, yeah, Yeah. our last two uh, interviewees that we talked to, uh, music is a big part of their lives as well. So I'm Thank seeing a well. theme here.
2: Yeah, Tedeschi Trucks Band is my favorite live band at the moment. So uh, mm. that's
1: cool. I got to look that up.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Maybe we'll have to have a little interlude and we'll play that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That'd be awesome.
0: Okay. So that question, like you said, um, you mentioned, not only were you present for the official birth of the Fresh Expressions movement, but you were the chair of the team that authored a report called Mission Shaped Church that brought it to life within the Church of England. So what was the message and the goal of that report?
2: Okay, well, you you need a bit of background. Uh, uh, church planting, planting fresh expressions of church, is a comparatively new phenomenon for the current Church of England. Obviously, there isn't a church in the world that wasn't planted sometime, but we haven't because of our historic parish system. We have a church everywhere. We hadn't really thought about that for quite a while, uh, but gradually it became a practice. And I think by the time about. Uh, we had records of about 200 new congregations being planted, most of them fairly traditionally into a new area of housing or something like that. Uh, uh, It was decided to publish a a report on it. And uh, the the bishops commissioned a report called Breaking New Ground, uh, which largely was good advice on fairly traditional church planting but importantly began to talk about people engaging in networks and not just geographical areas. Uh, That was good, but the situation began to change uh, rapidly. Uh, Some parishes were experimenting with anything from cell church to youth congregations and so on. And so uh, uh, the House of Bishops decided that we needed another report. Look at the first one, see what was still decent advice and what was, uh, and address the new. Uh, Importantly, it asked us to look at the cultural context in which we did mission and not just review church planting praxis. And all these reports, which are reports to a national synod. So you're thinking you're writing a report for your church government. You don't think you're writing a book that's going to go anywhere else. Uh, but we met, a group of us met over about 18 months and uh, produced the report that on the very last day of deciding, I, deci- I had chairman's choice and decided to be called Mission Shaped Church. And we had identified... Uh, a significant number of new types of planting of new congregations, taking significant awareness of local context and so on. Uh, And we basically said to our church, and I had to present this to our our National Synod, uh, that we are not recommending we start something new. We are pointing out that something really significant is happening on the edge of our church life. That we believe was hugely significant for the future, uh, there was good praxis, and we needed to get behind it uh, so we we recommended that <clears throat> the the church as a whole and the parishes in particular should start planting what we called fresh expressions of church. Now, I need to let you know that we chose Fresh Expressions of Church for two reasons. The first was, it was vague. Uh, And there were lots of other things around that fell to us as though they were a brand. So you talk in England about new ways of being church. It means a particular methodology. You you talk about uh, emerging church, and that raises a whole catalogue of issues that we didn't want to get into. It if you were writing for the Church of Scotland, you'd call it uh, emerging church without controversy. If you're writing something that might end up in the states, you know there's too many battles to fight on that. Mm-hmm. So something vague. But actually, it's got an Anglican root because every priest appointed to a parish and every person, when they're ordained, (coughs) uh, uh, takes something called the Declaration of Ascent, which says the gospel must be proclaimed afresh in each generation. And we took fresh from that because we were saying, such is our culture now, that it's not just explaining the gospel in a different way, it's planting different forms of church as well but it was rooted in something every Anglican vicar is is committed to. So we recommended that uh, this should be our church's policy, uh, that to do that, we would need to look at how we train ministers. And in particular, we might need uh, a new track through our ordained ministry, which we called ordained pioneer ministry. The title came a bit later than the report, but the recommendation is in, in the report. And to our huge surprise, uh, the synod overwhelmingly, just about unanimously, voted for it. There was one lady who misunderstood it and voted against, much to the annoyance of her close friends who had helped write it. But, uh, but now that just doesn't happen in our synod, you know. There's always there's always divisions, there's always parties. And the the other really significant thing that happened was we had a new Archbishop of Canterbury by the name of Rowan Williams. Uh, And we had finished the report before we or he knew he was going to be the next archbishop. So he couldn't change it, but he was expected to write an introduction to it. And what I quickly discovered when I talked with him was that he totally understood this stuff. He's come from Wales. He had it in his diocese. Some very good friends uh, that you'll know called Bob and Mary Hopkins had spent, done a big consultation with him. And he was supportive of the whole idea. He uh, spoke positively about the report in the debate. And then afterwards basically said, if this is going to have legs, it needs a team to run it out across the country and set that up. And I I was involved in the appointment of Stephen Croft as the first leader of the team and then succeeded him when he became a bishop. So the aim was that we reach the people who we don't reach through our traditional ways of doing church uh, with significant attention to their culture and their integrity and how we can engage them with the gospel of Jesus. In rather than you come to what we've got, because that's the only option on the table, we will come to you and we will form church with you and work with you incarnationally. Uh, I think that's that's probably enough to say. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, well, Graham, let me ask a follow up to that. Yeah. Uh, as you were leading this team and creating this report, which became a best selling book and now um, has really spread all over the world. So, like, yeah. uh, I, I don't know if we've talked about this yet, but the Fresh Expressions House of Studies at, at the seminary mm-hmm. here at United. Um, so your book is like the first book that students read, masters and lay, lay uh, uh, pioneers and doctoral students. Um, and it's ca- kind of like the hazing ritual, if you will. They have to read that. report. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But did you have any idea the impact, like the global reach that, that these ideas that y'all were putting down uh, in paper would would have?
2: Oh, not not the slightest. I mean, a we thought we were writing a report for a governing body, and as my good friend Eddie Gibbs said the one time I got to Fuller to talk about it, he said most reports gather dust. This one gathered momentum. Mm-hmm. We had no idea how that what the synod would make of it, because you know, was it too evangelical? Was it this party? Was it that party? And so forth, and were amazed. I mean, half of my team were sitting up in the gallery with bated breath to see what, would what, what would happen. Uh, and, and then there was Rowan. Uh, the, I, when I, <clears throat> I, I, I was one of the bishops that run Rowan's diocese for him because he had to be in London doing other bigger stuff. And when I explained the report to him, his eyes lit up and he and I have often reflected on that conversation so something was god was up to something and we had no idea till it happened i would my usual thing i say is somehow we have caught a wave of the holy spirit and central to my job description is don't fall off so mm-hmm. so there's, there's been a following of the spirit uh, in this uh, As soon as we knew there was going to be a team, Martin Atkins, who was the General Secretary of the Methodist Church for England and Wales, went straight to the Archbishop and said, we want to be part of this. And actually, the Methodist uh, full-time guy on evangelism and church planting, Graham Horsley, was on the team that wrote Mission Shaped Church. We always have an ecumenical friend on it. and it began to spread. It began to spread denominationally. I think we, I was involved in the Church Army and the Church, in the Salvation Army and the Church of Scotland joining in the UK, began to spread internationally. And one significant characteristic we didn't see coming at all, it's always ecumenical. That doesn't mean, you know, Methodist plant Methodist fresh expressions and Anglicans, Anglican fresh expressions and so on. But the sense of partnership, we're all in this new challenging context together, all caught up in the same move of the Spirit. And in Germany, Protestants and Catholics work at it together. In South Africa, those who are on different sides of the apartheid divide, work at it together. There's a sort of extra gift of the healing of relationships and denominations and the partnership and mission thrown in as well. And none of that, nothing like the scale, we, our research detailed, research done on half the diocese showed us that we had probably in 2016, anything up to a hundred thousand people in Church of England, fresh expressions. I um, mean, it's staggering. And we, and we did a, uh, is it? Isn't it? Check on every single thing that might have been a fresh expression in fifty percent of the diocese of the Church of England. Well, a fifty percent sample, you know, and eliminated loads of stuff by careful definition and so on, and still came up with this number. So no, had no idea it was it was going to be this. It's run my life ever since spiritually, and I'm still catching up with God. So. Mm.
1: I remember the first time you and I, you you were gracious enough to meet with me in London there. Uh, and I heard the first time I ever heard you say, you know, we've caught this wave of the Holy Spirit. Let's try not to fall off. Mm-hmm. I've been quoting you ever since on that. And yeah, right yeah. now, Martin Atkins, we have on loan yeah, here. I know you
2: do. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Really, really helping our take our
2: our i'm just about to get in touch with martin because one of one of the things i'm doing at the moment for the current fresh expressions board is we are uh, on an exercise of trying to gather the learning so 20 just over 20 years ago we sat down to write what became mission shaped church and we're putting questions out to our whole mailing list but slightly more detailed letters to people who have been key players to get their perspective, and then we will produce some sort of report on what we think is the significant learning so far.
1: Mm. Mm. Just one more thing before before Piper comes in here. Um, what you said about the ecumenical nature mm. of this, and how we've seen it even in the United States, which I think maybe we're even more divided and uh, mm. uh, controversial. Like uh, you know, there's all kind of schism and things happening. But on a local level, as a practitioner, fresh expression myself, what I've seen is um, we can collaborate with people we wouldn't normally collaborate with. Mm-hmm. And the threat yeah. levels down because the goal is yeah. not to get people to come back to my church or your church or to pack butts in the pews, yeah. but to really come around and join into the mission of God, mm-hmm. of what God is already doing in the world. And, and it, it really changes the nature of the conversation completely.
2: And We we did a bit of regional coordinating. We had these things at one stage called feasts, which aren't as exciting as they sound, because it stands for Fresh Expressions Area Strategy Team. Uh, But what it actually means is significant leaders of different streams and denominations in a region meeting together to pray for one another, and uh, particularly to make sure we weren't unintentionally competing with one another. There's plenty of mission field out there, so... uh, And it does, it's great for relationships.
0: I love that. Cause in America, you know, people always joke that there's in a lot of small towns, especially there's a church on every corner, but sometimes those churches, they never interact with each other, walk right past each other, drive right past each other, go into their church buildings and back out. And they talk about wanting to impact the community and those things, but they never do it together. Yeah, um yeah. I think, oh, you're not you're not the same as us. You come yeah. from a different tradition. Those kinds of things mm-hmm. keep us mm-hmm. from from getting in tune with the spirit and what mm-hmm.
2: the spirit's up to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we've got some of that too. So. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> so one thing I know that I hear a lot when we talk about fresh expressions to what I call church folks, the people who are in the church, who love the church, the inherited traditional church, however you want to say it. Mm-hmm they assume that the goal of Fresh Expressions is to eliminate all traditional forms of parish ministry or of um, churches as they know them. So in what ways have you seen the inherited church impact by the Fresh Expressions movement on the local level and beyond?
2: Okay. uh, Again, a bit of background is helpful. We gained from Rowan Williams an expression he had used when he was Archbishop of Wales, which is to talk about the mixed economy church, that there is room within the mission of the Church of God for different forms of church. There are some core things you will look for, but there's room for different things. Uh, Now in the Church of England, we tend to say mixed ecology, uh, like the term slightly better, but it's that same thing. So the and the great advantage of that is, when you're introducing this to a traditional church, you're not asking them to stop being the traditional church. You're asking them to give permission that something new may be reached to win those of who are not coming to a traditional church, and and that permission is much easier to get when you when you are not perceived as a threat. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. So. We, why we like mixed ecology even more than mixed economy is we want the whole thing to thrive uh, and yeah. the, uh, the, the, the the growth of a mixed ecology church is one of the three national strategy points of the whole Church of England, so in a, from a as it were from a hierarchy and leadership and strategizing point of view uh, we are totally committed to the flourishing of of, of, of if you like both ways. Uh, uh, my experience at, at the more local level is that if something is, for, for instance, I remember a, a meeting I was at where some elderly devout church ladies said, "None of our, we worry that none of our grandchildren come to church. Uh, do you think that they would come to a church like ours? And I, as gently as I could, said, no, I don't think they would. And to my surprise, the reply was, neither do we. What do you think we can do? Mm-hmm. And it took a couple of years, but that traditional parish ended up with a cafe church for young families, taking part in the very hall where I, my wife met those ladies. Uh, so that builds up the spirits of the traditionalists. Something is happening uh, uh I have a Phil Potter who succeeded me as the team leader when he was planting Fresh Expressions in his parish uh, had a, a four o'clock very traditional communion service that he didn't think had any sort of future life and uh, really wanted to close but wanted to be kind and the whole church was transitioning to cell church. To his amazement, the people who liked their Elizabethan language communion service every four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon caught the vision of Cell Church, formed cells, and began to win their peers who also came with them to the Elizabethan language service in the afternoon, so that there can be this sort of uh, uh, mutual learning from one another. Uh, We we want the the traditional saints to really pray and intercede for the new and for the old. We want the new to encourage the old. Uh, uh, Never do it through worship wars you 'll end up with everybody together all with something that they hate. but throw a party in everybody there. go out and clean litter in your neighborhood and have the, you know find ways to make the two mix and then uh, once you know people, they become less of a threat unless they really they really are a threat so it's those sort of that the, the the mixed vision is central to our uh, a uh, 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 church of England policy uh, uh, the only exceptions being there's a few places where uh, the little traditional parish congregation is getting older and older, and it is unlikely that they will grow again. Uh, and the fresh expression is, if you like, the next generation of the church for that parish. But we're not looking for that. We're just recognizing there are certain times when that's so... Uh, and. I know my friend Sally Gaze, who's our best expert on rural Fresh Expressions, when she established her cell church uh, alongside the seven historic building congregations that she had, some of the people who came to faith in the cell church had a more traditional church background and eventually joined the traditional. So it's see it as a whole. It's never a competition.
1: Amen. I love, um, I believe it's Matthew's version of Jesus. Um, you know, uh, you don't put old wine into, uh, new wine skins or new, but, but the part we often don't see so clearly is, and both are preserved, you know, the new wineskin and the old wineskin vintage stuff, the fresh stuff. I mean,
2: uh, we, we think traditional parishes can, some of them are superb. Some of them could do more, uh, Uh, every church allegedly fresh or allegedly uh, traditional has the capacity to become a a club for members that new people can't get into you've got to guard that all the way but frankly when a fresh expression has been around for a while you've got to guard against that and the fresh expression as well so uh, yeah
1: amen i think piper and i and our fresh expressions have both experienced that uh as well
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is a developmental problem uh, as you grow the requirement for time given to pastoral care and all sorts of things grows and you can partly lose your missional age just because you haven't got time to do it anymore so that is one of the reasons why we think we you know some fresh expressions go really big and that's fine but uh best advice is get it to 50 and plant another. Yeah. Mm. Mm.
1: That's good advice. Mm-hmm. So um, kind of one, one of the ways that I like to share on this side of the pond um, when we talk about it is um, our friends from the United Kingdom are from our future, right? Mm. So some of the realities that um, have been unfolding there around mm. post-Christendom and all those yeah. things, in some place in the United States, in the Bible Belt and other, you can like stick up a traditional church and it still works pretty well in those contexts. And people are yeah. like, why do we need to do that? You know, da, da, da. But, but I'm trying to say we this is what's coming to us. Right. Yeah. Um, in some places, it's a fairly new idea here. Mm-hmm. But if you could if you could help us like learn from your failure, learn from your wisdom, yeah. like what not to do. Uh <laughs> So maybe some mistakes that you made or things you would do differently that we could draw from that wisdom here.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, what, one of the things I've learned as I've reflected on this are that there are three key roles in this, not two. At the beginning, I used to think permission givers, practitioners, and you know, uh, I've decided that between the two, you need diplomats, because the people who instinctively get this uh, cannot see why the people they think hold the purse strings or give the permission or something like that don't get it. Uh, uh, mm. And you you need bilingual people. I, I'm one of them. I'm a missional diplomat. So I'm not a great practitioner, uh, but I can. T- but I get practitioners, and they get me. I get bishops and superintendents and uh, overseers of all sorts, colonels in the Salvation Army, and because I I know the sort of pressures and responsibilities they carry, and I get them too. Uh so uh <clears throat> I I I now I, I look for the pioneers, although we have a spectrum about different sorts of pioneering. It's worth reflecting on in a moment as well. uh, uh And I I look to the permission givers and act, if you like, as an interpreter between the two. It's partly, its primary purpose is releasing the missional. Uh, It's releasing the missional with blessing rather than regret. But it's also an oil can on relationships. I remember when when my predecessor, Stephen Croft, had become a bishop, he and I did a big conference in Germany together and i remember him saying we have learnt to connect the center to the edge yeah. and that works both ways that the, the 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 edge is getting support and it is being listened to but when you get that sort of relationship you get the genuine accountability that you might lose if tensions were difficult so uh, uh, uh gr- grow your diplomats as well as your pioneers so that that's i think crucial uh Two biggest mistakes that we have found are uh, transition from first generation to second generation leadership. If you haven't invested in growing leaders, particularly, preferably local incarnational leaders, you know, the moment people are beginning to come to faith, spot the gifts of leadership, and so on, uh, uh, you can then you can then get a, a difficulty if it's too dependent on the original planter and they go, it can be very frail. Uh, that's why our criteria for pioneer priests, uh, we insist this, this evidence, before we'd even train them, we insist this evidence that they work collaboratively rather than they're just lone wolves. Uh, but we also learned that and the spectrum of pioneers, there are some whose gifting is to start the new and move on and start the new. Uh, There's a a majority who are capable of planting something or a number and nurturing them through to maturity. Uh, And there are some that we call pioneer overseers, Michael, you're one, I think who have the capacity to oversee whole networks of this sort of stuff because they actually are practitioners and uh, and they do it. So we've, uh, be more sophisticated in your analysis of who's a pioneer and who's not, who's a practitioner and who's not. Uh, look for people who can do the second stage of nurturing the fresh expression and keeping it fresh and, cont- and contextual. Uh, so th- that's one thing. The, the second one is cloning. Now you've seen what, uh, what we call the fresh expressions journey you know the 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 best practice uh teaching and training that we do uh yeah. it needs to be thought of as learning scales once you're skilled in your scales you can improvise but until then certain things work better if you do them before other things uh, and people skip the listening side uh, uh, yeah. our, our movement grew especially through the publication of well recorded stories uh, And the only danger of that was that the uh, people catch on to a story, they catch on to a model or they've done something in their previous parish and it worked really well. And they just assume you do it again, you know? Uh, And I used to say, look, when I was working full time, I lived down the south of England in Kent. I had some nice shrubs in my garden. Then we retired up to our cottage in the north of England. And it would have been nice to bring some of those shrubs, but the Yorkshire East wind that comes through my garden would kill them in one winter. You know, you can't just clone what you did before and do it in a different context. Because the most important thing about the planting of fresh expressions, uh, which I didn't see as clearly at the beginning as I do now, is that they are locally contextual. It's the reading of where God is at work in the local context uh, you can't blueprint. You you start the process not knowing what it will look like at the end, and the more experienced you are, the more careful you have to be that you don't make, you don't make don't make assumptions.
1: So good, so good. I find myself when I have moved appointments actually really having to like I know this works over here, yeah, and I yeah, check yeah. myself and say, but. This context is completely different. You have to, you know, really listen in each context on its own terms. And
2: because we're following the leading of the missionary spirit who's there ahead of us, it is just possible that the missionary spirit has more imagination than we do based on experience so far.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Amen. Um, So you you went into this a little bit, and um, I I just got to ask this, because one of the, I feel like, where we're kind of stuck in a way with this movement in, uh, specifically in a United Methodist context, so I'm on the board of ordained ministry, and we're trying the way that you all were t- able to reorganize the system around Pioneer Ministry and have mm-hmm. ordained pioneers and lay pioneers, and lay- mm-hmm. so we we're, we're using the language of adventuring, adventurer ministry,
2: yeah.
1: focusing yeah. that theologically in Advent, the appearing of Jesus, and we're on an adventure mm-hmm. with the trailblazing spirit yeah. of new creation, yeah, but. Yeah. We have people that are coming to faith in a tattoo parlor or a dog yeah. park. Or, yeah. And so they come into our process and they're like, I think I'm called by Jesus to do mm-hmm. something similar to like what I came to faith in. And, and our only answer right now is to put them kind of in a local church. That's a conventional kind of, yeah. you know, here congregation. And we haven't been able to make those adaptations where there's a, a, a pipeline or um, a stream that people can, specifically go into this kind of ministry so you have no. any suggestion okay. feedback
2: no. yeah i do uh, the most important thing about theological training for ministry is not spoiling the people who god has sent you okay?
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know do not okay. do some process that turns them into something they're not and makes them incapable of doing what it was that got them there in the first place a lot of our pioneers, certainly the first few years, uh, would say something like, I could never imagine being a traditional vicar in the Church of England, but if God wants me to do this. So you've got to find a way of, of equipping them for what God wants them to do. Uh, without lowering the bar, I mean, we have careful testing on character and safeguarding and things like that, uh, in you, know, you, as a yeah. principal of a theological college, the letters I wrote to bishops saying whether someone was ready to have hands laid on them were the last safeguard before, before it would become much more difficult if they were the wrong sort of person, you know, so mm-hmm. that there is a, there is a caution about it, but whatever you do, don't send them to seminary. Uh, uh, train them, train them contextually. Give them mentors, and I mean, uh, I I do some theological teaching these days for a course that's for Yorkshire called St Hild, where we train Anglican and Baptist pastors, and now have a church planting stream and so on. Uh, But all of these people are living where they're doing ministry, and they come into well, there's not a college in the sense of a building. There's places where the staff and there's three centres where teaching is done. They come to their centre for a day a week, and it's much better because they come with the questions of ministry and they ask the real questions. Uh, It took me ages when I became the principal of a seminary uh, to... uh, realized that half the stuff I knew these guys knew, they didn't know they knew yet. And there wasn't a lot of point my telling them yet. Well, the ones who are doing mm-hmm. it contextually, they come. So mentors, uh, uh, mentors, theological training from context and really make sure that everything you've learned about pioneering, you're downloading as it were, as it were into, into, into them, uh, we had a separate, I, I'd shared it for several years, even after retirement, a, a separate process whereby we sorted out whether they were a pioneer before the denomination sorted out whether they would ordain them or not. And if you've mm-hmm. got that right, then you can develop a track for, the, for, for, for those people.
1: Mm-hmm. That's good. That's
2: good.
0: See, I did it backwards. I did. I have my... Um, A bachelor's degree in ministry and theology and then I have my my Master of Divinity so I did go to seminary but with the whole time knowing I don't want to be in a traditional church and then I found Fresh Expressions and so now I'm just waiting for the um, Fresh Expressions ordination process here in Florida and then maybe I'll sign up (laughs)
2: yeah Yeah, I mean I mean God uh, we, we have a string of people doing this well in our diocese at the moment who were told there was no need to go down the pioneer stream because they could do it anyway. But when we recruited them, we have a uh, we have a ministry called multiply, which is the way we're doing press expressions in the Diocese of York. Uh, I mean, I did, uh, we, we, we knew who they were six months before they started. So I did intensive days with them to catch them up on what they would have been taught if they'd been on a pioneer track. But, uh, it doesn't matter. If you really know it's what you're called for, you will find what you need. Uh, but there is a better way around to do it if you can develop it. So yeah. Not necessarily mm-hmm. better for you, but for the future, for what you're, you guys are doing in Florida. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Piper, I, I feel like you're kind of a prime example of this, but didn't get ruined by seminary, but we found a way in the system to like uh, make you a cultivator of fresh expressions without giving you those traditional, you know, parameters of ministry. And you've been able to cultivate a whole network of fresh expressions, you know, Tallahassee, theology. And um, I'm, I'm just thinking, how do we have more Pipers and how do we make space? Right. Mm-hmm. And without ruining people, because Honestly, you know, the whole seminary process and, and the way that we do, you know, 10-year-long ordination, mm-hmm. most young people, middle-aged people, they're, they're not signing up for that, right? Yeah. And don't necessarily want a full-time guaranteed appointment, all those things that have been historically yeah. part of being a clergy. Yeah. So we have to rethink all that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yes, you do. And it will gradually change generationally, but it, that's where your diplomats come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah that's where your diplomats come in because you're 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 working on the enlarging of permission and vision in the denomination at the same time as you are supporting and nurturing uh, mm-hmm. nurturing the practitioners yeah
0: got to have those people to advocate
2: yeah
0: the higher ups yeah yeah so one um, of the questions... Just,
2: I mean, my successor i was the principal of Ridley Hall Cambridge and my mm-hmm. successor bar two uh, is a pioneer he's a designated pioneer minister with a demon in entrepreneurship you know so mm-hmm. the other thing you do is you infiltrate <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's right
0: yep that's awesome <laughs> well so one of the questions that we've been asking um everybody that we've interviewed so far is where do you see the future of christianity and the church heading
2: well, as you 've already said about the states, where I suspect East Coast, for instance, where Virginia Baptist took this up at the beginning, is much more like what we experience, and Bible belts in a st- still still m- the more traditional works uh, so i so in in my context, I see two things happening simultaneously: uh, one is the continual decline of a sort of christendom assumption christianity uh, uh mm. the we have a lot of and I, I live in a i live in a village my uh, vicar here has nine village churches uh, nearly all the congregations are elderly and shrinking in a new pi- pi- if new people come, it's because a practicing Christian has moved into the village. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, you know, I worship with. I mean, I'm 75 myself, but I work with people I call the old ones. You know, <laughs> who are in, in in their 80s and so on. And that that that's a reality. That you know, that generation of way of doing church is dying out to a degree. Yeah. Uh, there's still lots of work for parishes uh to do, but uh it's dying out to a degree, and at the same time we are learning to plant the new uh, and uh, it's not the silver bullet for every context uh, uh we've uh you know primarily my my wife's the practitioner we've you know, we've tried all sorts of things in these villages, and it's really hard, slow slow work. Uh but there are lots of other places where people are, are finding Christ who would not have found him any other way. And they are the church of the future. And that we've got uh policies clearly that, that the bishops have a whole paper out on church planting and fresh expressions saying, you know, mixed ecology is our commitment and we will support and develop all these things. And we we, ha- we have to wait and see. Uh I don't know if you know Professor Charles Taylor's massive book, *The Secular Age, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but we're, we're learning to deal with what he calls the imminent frame, uh, uh, an assumption that life is complete without any sort of transcendence. Uh, uh, James, Jamie Smith has written a an introductory book so you read 200 pages of jamie rather than 850 pages of of charles but i mean that that that, that is the context uh, how do we uh, demonstrate and speak of christ in a culture which regards that as a, a as a hobby for those who want it or a crutch for those who can't get by without it so it's a bigger question than forms of church but uh Forms of church that engage with people where they are and demonstrate the kingdom, and so on. Uh, my my favourite theologian, listening, Ubigan talks about the church being a sign and instrument and a foretaste of God's kingdom for a particular place, not just in general. Now, the more we can do that, uh, the more we can, I think, engage properly with that with our society. I mean, I, I'm. You know, I'm aware of places more secular. I've done a conference in Sweden recently where 2% of people go to church. You know, uh, And there's this, and I guess what I was talking about, mixed, mixed ecology for a diocese in the south of Sweden. And there are other places uh, uh, in South Africa, which I know well and have been to quite a lot. Uh, this Less effectiveness of fresh expressions in the townships uh, but a lot of need for it in some of the in some of the suburban and other areas uh english speaking africana speaking uh, uh le there is some but less so're at Zulu or kosa speaking so it, it 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 it's a mixed picture, and our job is to engage with society as it is not just repeat the past in the hope that somehow uh, what used to work will work uh,
1: so Graham, it, along that same line um twenty years at this now um yeah about um and w- are you seeing any signs of like uh conventional kind of vitality coming back to the church of england through the work of fresh expressions or what does vitality look like in the in this new change reality is it lay led? is it buying co-vocational power what what is how do we reframe vitality
2: it's in transition we uh use a secular term uh some of the real difficulty i think lies in changing the mindset of what i might call middle management so uh Uh, Both our archbishops at the moment are hugely supportive of this. Uh, Stephen Cottrell, who's my diocesan bishop and the Archbishop of York, uh, said when he was appointed, I think the problem is the Church of England has too many churches. And I think the answer is that we need more, but of a different kind. So that that's that's the vision coming and coming from the House of Bishops, if not every single bishop uh, we've got lots of practitioners we've got a a bit of a tendency to rely on something called resource churches in a lot of dioceses. there's a quite big in some ways fairly traditional church plant, but with the view that it will plant lots of other congregations and fresh expressions so there's great one in bradford called fountains church which has and uh, we haven't managed tattoo yet but we've got a wrestling church that, uh, mm-hmm. that's one of the fresh expressions of uh, of that's that one so that there's uh, 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 th- there's no longer a battle about strategy and vision uh, the the issue is in part that the Sheer maintenance of historic buildings where we have a responsibility, uh, you know, lots of little congregations that you know. So, as I said, my minister's got nine, uh, you know, it, it takes energy. So, one of the issues isn't wanting to do the new stuff, it's finding the time and energy and being released to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. so I think the vision is there. I think, uh, uh I'm pleased with our pioneers, and uh, and and some of the money is there actually. That that that's important because this stuff does cost, even if it. Uh, so we we got some national mission fund money from some of the national inherited money uh, to put thirteen planters into parishes to plant out of the parish to plant the new and enough to fund 25 lay pioneers for one or two days a week where they're already doing something, and the extra time and resource would make it flourish. All of those in their job descriptions have that they will give a portion of their time to other churches in their area to teach them to do what they're doing. So it's a commitment to culture change, but it it, it takes time. Uh, My experience of this movement is God moves much faster than ever I could have imagined and that the church never moves fast enough. And I, and, and that's mm-hmm. another thing I've got to be a diplomat about in the middle. So, uh, But I, I can think of a very good Methodist fresh expression that in the end left the Methodist church and became an independent church, though in very good relationships with the churches around it. Basically because the circuit had unrealistic expectations of it and then there was a change of superintendent who didn't like this whole thing at all and suddenly life and relationships get difficult and they were the the best growers of young adult disciples I'd come across in a long time and I was mm. sorry but I didn't really I, I didn't really blame them when they decided free of the denomination we can actually do this and in the denomination maybe we can't
0: mm.
1: well Well, Graham, thank you so much for your time, the wisdom. Like, I'm going to have to be sitting with this process and much of what you said for a while. I'm sure many of our listeners are. But how can our our listeners connect with you, follow you, kind of keep up with with what you're doing?
2: Well, Fresh Expressions UK has a website. Uh, uh, I'm sort of the retired founder of the firm these days. Uh, I'm... uh, Doing my best to uh, to write a book on reimagining. Uh, uh, I think I don't, I don't know if it works in terms of UK technology, but I have a lot of gadgets that have a default setting. You know, mm-hmm. Something goes wrong, you reset it the way you got it in the first place. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think our imaginations are captured by a default setting of ways of church which no longer fit our time. Uh, and we need something that's more a movement than a meeting more about disciples on mission with Jesus than people gathering for pews in pews and so on uh, so mm-hmm. i'm I'm bidding for my def- current definition of church is a community of disciples on mission with Jesus uh, so hopefully something will be published about that in a while. It's out with a few friends at the moment, uh, some of whom you know, uh, and 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 we'll see. But no, I would say don't particularly watch me. What keep in touch with what the movement here is doing, just as we, I get all the emails about you guys. Uh, you know, certainly from uh, U- Fresh Expressions U.S. and keep in touch. And I'm I'm thrilled with the way you've made this your own because when we got asked about our material and so on, you may remember my answer was you can have it on one condition. You must change it. Mm. You've got to contextualize it to, 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 to your own. So we're learning from you as well as you learning from us.
1: Mm. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for the open handed way that you have gifted um, your learning, your resources, the the energy to the whole church and not tried to, you know, hold it or monetize it or any of that, just gifting it, you know, to the world. And I think we realize in United Methodism um, that we have to kind of run a lot of this through a Wesleyan framework and try to
2: Mm.
1: really kind of make it our own. We can't just take, you know, the the cookie cutter. I'm going to throw an
2: uh, Anglican morsel into that uh, theological uh, conversations later this year.
1: Yes. That's right. That's right. And we're thankful for that too. So mm-hmm.
2: can't and wait to. you that. give my greetings to Bishop Ken?
1: Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Awesome.
0: Do. Well thank you again for being with us. Um, Bishop Craig, this has been really wonderful and it's such a great conversation. I'm gonna be thinking about it and mulling over it for a long time for sure. And my to gosh. those listening. To those listening, thank you so much for joining in on this episode of New People, New Ways. If you enjoyed our conversation with Graham Cray, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform that you are listening through. If you want to learn more about Fresh Expressions, you can check out our website at freshexpressionsfl.org and find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We would love to connect with you, and we will see you next time on New People, New Ways.